Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday afternoon, and uh, let me do the Tefillah podcast. We can finish this whole series for the week, maybe. Uh, the Tefillah podcast is sponsored, as always, by Mishpacha Savansky. Speaking of whom, there's this, uh, I've been mentioning uh, before that they're running a big auction for these rare things. I mean, crazy rare uh, farm and Judaic of those kind of items for uh, people who can afford that. And um, it's just called Genozim, right? The name of the auction house. Uh, in Hebrew, you know how Genozim in English, it's funny. It's G E N A. Z-Y-M, not Z-I-M, it's a shtick, G-E-N-A-Z-Y, so if you Google it, G-E-N-A-Z-Y-M, you know, you'll see, you'll see the, you'll see the catalog and all the sorts of things you're interested, and since I wanted to do something um, connected with the auction company, I'd like to help them, um, but I have to do tefillah, so I was looking in the catalog, what is their um, connected with Philip, and I came across something that I'm surprised I didn't do until now, and that's the Abudrim, in which they're auctioning off um, maybe the original, not the original, but the second. The original Abudrim was in the late 1400s in Canabula, but the one that they're auctioning here is is, is uh, from uh, Morocco in 1517, the second one, I think. If you're interested in, um, what shall I say, trivia, uh, it's the first Hebrew, it says here, the first Hebrew book printed in Africa. Very possibly true. Uh, so, uh, we're dealing with an old safer. Arisham, quoted by Rishonim, and that's what I'd like to talk about now. The famous book that was called Chibur HaTfilos, or something like that. Chibur uh, HaTfilos HaBrachos. The uh, funny part is that nobody ever calls it that. He always called by the author. We called the Abudurham. Rabbi David Abudurham. Now, in the yeshiva, it's called Avodrom. <laughs> you know, I mean, I get it. And to be perfectly honest, it could be Abudarham. So Abudurham. Uh, nobody knows exactly how to pronounce it. Here, we're going back to Sephardib in Spain in the 14th century. Those in the 1300s, more or less at the time of the Russian tour. <clears throat> so this is the history of the Jews in Christian Spain. Not the history of the Jews in Islamic Spain. That was already destroyed when the Rambam was young. The Rambam lived in the 1100s. Now I'm talking about the 1300s. By the 1300s, Spain was a big, among the biggest Malcolm Torahs. However, it was Spain of the Christians, the Kingdom of Castile and Aragon. Um, by the time our hero was living in the 1300s, and we don't know exactly when he lived, but we know he's quoted by the tour. And tour is written, I don't know, 1340s, uh, something like that. So that means the book was around at that time. They say it was around 1340. That doesn't mean anything to you. Uh, at this time, most of Spain had been reconquered by the Christians. Basically, 
the whole peninsula was divided into three large kingdoms, you know, basically. Oh, the, uh, Portugal on the left, Castile in the middle, and Aragon on the right. We always hear about Aragon because that's where the Yeshiva Shigadolim were, the, uh, the, the Ramban, the Rajput, the Ritva, and so forth. Um, but there's also the middle part of Spain called Castile. That's where the Rosh was and his children after the tour. And, uh, and others, okay, the Rosh was in the capital city of uh, Castile, not in Madrid at that time, but Toledo, Toledo. And if you looked at a Spain in the 1300s, uh, before everything went to the devil in 1391, but 50 years before that, I would not say things are perfect, but there was a very impressive Yiddish guy going on over there. Uh, problems and all. And you certainly had great Talmud Chachamim. But guess what? You also had a mass of people that were big. Amaratzim, it's always the way it is. Just because you read that someplace had a lot of great scholars, I'm not saying it's not an exact, you know, sometimes exaggeration. Let's say it's not an exaggeration. Just because a lot of great scholars doesn't mean, you know, you know a bunch of uh, ignoramuses running around also. There are big dumbbells somewhere walking around in B'nai Brock and in Glickwood and this, you know what I mean? Not everybody's a big scholar. And keep that in mind. And yet, they're all Jewish. And that means maybe they don't have to finish Bab Messiah, and maybe they don't have to memorize, you know, Sanhedrin, but they got a Davin. <laughs> Everybody got a Davin. That's the one, you know, uh, leveling thing between all different Jews. Everybody got a Davin. Uh, the man, at least. The old school. Everybody's got a Davin. Well, guess what? Not everybody knows that a Davin. More importantly, most people don't know the Pir Shamilos. Uh, how should I put it? Um, today, you're relying on things like the Art Scroll Sitter, which is fine. I'm not against it. It's good. It's a good thing. But the fact is, you require it. Ever since I'm a kid in Baltimore, you always see Sidurum with English in it and so forth. It's a good thing. But the reason it's a good thing is because the person doesn't know what it means by itself. Now, over the course of time, you pick up, uh, you know what I'm saying, it's a lot of sort of things. Raise your hand if you can tell me what Enkes Masaldecho means. You know, you probably can. So, you know, this is how it goes. So, feel itself in, in the sense of as something that everybody has to do, including the dummies in the middle and the normal and the, and the smart. There's always been a whole, a, a, a problematic area in Jewish life. Because, you know, everybody goes to Shul and Dobbins, assuming that they do. But most of the people throughout Jewish history didn't know what they were saying. I just made a very big statement. Most of the people in Jewish history who went to Shalom Dab didn't know what they were saying. They knew what to say, more or less. They could read from a sitter, more or less. Sometimes people were more illiterate, sometimes less so. Um, if you've ever heard some people get up Dab for the Ahmed when they have Kaddish, you know, yard site, but they don't ordinarily, sometimes like they murder the prayers and all that, you know, okay. I'm not making fun of it. I'm just making a statement of a fact. You understand? So when you keep that in mind, you understand that a davening is always, it feel itself, the sitter, the study of the sitter, has always been a Cinderella. Not many people have gotten into that. The most, fa- as always, in the yeshiva world, where most of them are into gamar, 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 there's always a few weirdos uh, throughout history that are into things other than gamara. It could be history, it could be diktuk, it could be philosophy, it could be this, it could be that. I'll say not instead of Gemara, 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 but in addition to it. That's who I'm talking about. So one of the areas uh, would be liturgy, davening. 
people are interested in davening per se. Usually, most of the learners in the old days, they, you know, spent their time learning all day. And you davened up, you davened up. And I'm not saying they didn't daven with Kavana, but, you know, as soon as you finish davening, you're back to the learning. That, that sort of thing. So davening definitely took a second place to learning. This is why the Hasidic movement started, among other reasons. The Baal Shem Tov and the others said, no, da- davening should not take second place to learning. It's an interesting uh, controversy I'm bringing up over here, right? I repeat, davening should not take a second place to learning. And if you think about it, it's a, you know, it's a very fascinating subject. Because when you're davening, you're talking to Hashem. At least you're supposed to. You see? And that should be a significant factor. Are you telling me that you should daven and learn and not learn? I didn't say that. You know? You see, you see the tension that's, that I'm bringing up over here? You see the tension? Now, um, as a result, there's a small number of people down the centuries who've preoccupied, I'm talking about who have preoccupied themselves with matters about the Siddur, the davening, the liturgy, you know, the Nusuks, and all that business. In every generation, it's not many, it's some, okay? The most are in the Gemara, 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 that, that sort of thing, or Halacha that comes out of the Gemara. But there are some that preoccupied themselves with questions about feel and liturgy. The most, you know, in every generation and every century, some are better, some are worse. Some have taken off, some still lie in the back of some library in desuetude. It's a matter of mazel. Okay? I would say, looking back in the history of Kali Yisrael, the most famous of all the books that were written on the subject of liturgy uh, is the Abu Dhirham, in my opinion. Um, and, and I would say in the opinion of many. Uh, because he just did a very, very good job. Having said that, I'm well aware that most people probably don't have it at home and probably never looked into their lives. And the truth of the matter is they're making a big mistake. Now, if you can afford to buy the one in the, in the, in the catalog from, from 1517, give them to hey, But if you can't, you should, in my personal opinion, it would. Uh, you should take the trouble to get a hold of Abu Dhirham, and I'll tell you what I mean. The author's name is Rabbi David Abu Dhirham. Abu Dhirham simply means the guy connected with the with the money. There are many legends and stories. A dirham is like a dollar in the Middle Ages in the Arab world. A dirham or a dirham, right? That was like the dollar or the British pound. You know what I mean? The basic currency. So Abu Dhirham might mean that they were mint, you know, the family came from people that collected with mint masters, they used to mint the money for the kings. A lot of Jews were in that business, which is interesting. It could mean that they were tax collectors for the Geisha government, that's possible. It's all kind of mices. I've heard legends and things like that. You want to hear a Pirkei you want a nice legend? I mean, maybe it's true. The ancestor of the family, uh, you know, was very careful about being honest in business, and I think he borrowed money from a guy or something like that, and he didn't pay him back like, you know, he was like a buck short on a $1,000 thing, you know. And he got so bad, he chased after the guy miles and miles, and he rode in a horse and this and that until he finally found him, and he gave him back the, uh, the, the money. And the guy was so blown away that he later converted to Judaism. That's the story. And, but, you know, it doesn't matter. It was an honorable family, and to this day, it's a Spartish name, I remember I was in Gibraltar X number of years ago. I can't even remember the world before the corona. <laughs> it's like a, a different era. And one of the shows I remember was the Abu Dhirham show. I think I think so. Anyway, my memory. Now, our hero today belongs to that class of individuals in Jewish history 
in Jewish culture, of whom nothing is known about him except the book he wrote, but the book took off, okay, and became Nixi Tzom Barzal of the Jewish people. Till this day, I would say, as I said before, Abu Dhrahim is among the most authoritative and important of all the books ever written on the subject of tefillah, which must have meant he did a good job. Now, <clears throat> we're dealing with a guy who lived in Toledo, or Seville maybe, uh, they're both you know, not too far from each other in, in Spain, in Castile, in the 1300s, when the times were still decent, you know, before the pogroms and all that stuff, and the, and the Inquisition and the conversions and so forth. 13, first day for the 1300s. Now, um, it wasn't perfect, but, you know, still there. If you want to know what the 1300s, that would be roughly, I don't know, in the time of the Ritva, I guess, something like that. Okay? Uh, the tour quotes him, the Balatorum, the tour is the son of the rush, so go figure it out. Um, and he quotes the tour a lot. Yeah, he, Jacob and a rush. Sometimes he agrees with him, sometimes he doesn't agree with him, and so forth. One thing is clear. Whoever this guy was, he was a big Talmud Chacham, because if you think about it, as you go through the old fields of the year, um, in the way he did, I mean, you got into a lot of the Gemaras and everything like that, to put it together. And you have to know the reasons behind it. I like the book for a number of reasons. The main reason, he always seemed to me to be very commonsensical, normal, you know, uh, looking for a nice, straightforward shot, and not these convoluted sorts of things. Um, as far as Yishar, I guess you'd say. Uh, what is the Abu Dharam? It's a safer he wrote, way back when. Parts of it are not printed. I mean, if you go look at the scholarly literature, you know, every once in a while they'll find a missing part in the Geneza and so forth in the Cairo, but it doesn't matter. The basic book we have, and I love my copy naturally because it's all Manukad. I got it many years ago. I forget when in Israel. Whoever published this was a nut like me because even the Haskambas are Manukad, all that, you know, he made my day. All I can tell you is it's a very nice modern printing and you can get it too if you're interested. And uh, Machaber has a very nice Hakdama, and very straightforward, very straightforward. And after going through all the stuff about, you know, how tefillah takes the place of Karbonus, we no longer base on Migdash. By the way, the Hebrew is very easy to read, very, very good writer. And he says very famously, he says, uh, Since now we're in Golis, Nishtanim in Hagas with Tefillah's He's rhyming. So, uh, Used to be that he says that all Kali's all Davin basically with the same Nozach, but not anymore. He lived in the 14th century in Spain. He's well aware that in Spain itself, there are a variety of Nuschos. Then there's France, um, and then there's Germany and other countries like that. So, Nishtano Hamin Hogus, but feels Bacholam Dinos, Verov Hamon, Nosim Kolm Bispalam of Ne Elohe Olam, Hemagashim Kiver Bafela. And most of the people shout and scream in davening, but they don't understand the words that they're saying. Okay? They don't understand the words that they're saying. Uh, it's like in the in the Tocha. They're walking around blind like Ever Bafela, you know. Uh, and then, when it come, and here's something definitely true, which is, to be perfectly honest, true of a lot of us, which is, you know, you know exactly what to do all the time. Like the other day, you had the third day of Pesach. I mean, Chanukah, and the Rosh Chodesh, and does this come first and that come first? And my shul dam the subscribe. And I used to always got to look up in the luach. You know, you say this first, you say this second. You know, like that. So God made the yom seir min hagas 
They don't know the different minhagim out there, the Seder minhagos, and they certainly don't know the tamim, the reasons we say what we say. So you get a confusing. So we went into a synagogue in the 14th century, he says, in Spain, which was a fairly learned place compared to other Jewish communities. You see uh, Andromusia, you know, some people on this side are davening this, other people insist on davening that. Wasn't all the same. But Kulam Biyar Hamin Hogus They're all walking around uh, perplexed, in other words, lost in the in the uh, jungle of Minhagim. Uh It's like, you know, they can't find their way out. So no in other words, there's no Clarkite initial. Now you'll tell me like this, why doesn't the rabbi say, This is the old Spain, there was no rabbi, this is the Chacham, and the people tell him what to do. And Yosemite El Tochadorov, the Kasharisi and since I saw nobody knows what they're doing, therefore I said, I'm going to do the job for you. And here's what he does marvelously. Every tefillah throughout the year, Shabbos, Yontif, Rishchodesh, the, the calendar, the whole God's of business, I start you from the roots. And that is what he does. Any tefillah you have out there, He'll say, we get this from this and this Gemara. It might be from Yishalmi. It might we, we, we change it a little because Rav Haigon says this, Rav Saigon says that, and so on and so forth. Here, nowadays, we do it. We follow the say Apparently, he was into the Sefer, Hamanhig, from Narbonne. Okay, you know. In other words, that must have been an authoritative work in his time. And this is the way we do it over here. He's explaining to the roots, historically, even the history of every Tfila and Nusach. So it's a Machaya, okay? He were a Kadmonium. And he says, you know, that I'm explaining everything over here. Um, and it's not my own opinion. I need, ain't any rock to take me safer to save Miguel and Gila. I'm not saying nothing. I'm just telling you what the earlier one said. This is a lie. He a lot of times disagrees with this one and that one. But he was a big time. There's no question over here. Anybody, this is not what you think a simple thing. Art scroll sitter, you think it's like an easy business. To do the whole tefillah, any tefillah, from the Gemara up, the Gemara and Brachas, the Gemara and Shabbos, whatever it is, and discuss the different discuss, but not at too great length to get you bored. He's a very good writer. He gives you the part that you need, and he says the words that you should say, and he tells you the reason behind them, and he's got so many interesting things in the book that, you know, um, by the way, you know it's cute? In Spain, in his time, they used to say the tefillah for the Medina, for the king, every day after Shachras. He talks about the Nusra that you should say over here. Can you imagine that? I mean, the Jews really wanted to kiss up to the king, and I don't blame them, because their lives were, were hanging on a thread. They really needed the royal support. He's got Yom Tobim, he's got Cholomoed, he's got this, he, you know, when do you say L, and when do you say Al, and what's the Svar behind them, from the Gemara of the Amosachim, and, um, you know, for, for Kiddush, and everything's explained. The reason I'm telling you all this is most people may may have possibly heard of the Abu Dirham in passing. I don't think most people have ever looked at it. That's my opinion. I don't get the impression anybody looked at it. And I'm telling you, if you're at all interested in what I'm saying today, and you have no reason not to, because everybody's got a daven, like I said before. You know, if I was talking about history, some are interested, some are not my history. If I'm talking about halacha, you know, taras mishpacha, some are interested, some are not interested. This subject interests this audience. That subject interests that audience. Everybody has to be in shul. Everybody should be interested in tefillah. You understand? Everybody should be interested in tefillah. And he's better than the art scroll, so to speak. 
for anyone who's a shtickle scholar, not a big scholar, a shtickle scholar, especially if you have the one I have with the Nakudas, it's, it's such a machaya. And he'll tell you each and every bracha. So if, what I'm saying is as follows. If, if you're at all interested in what I'm, I'm talking about today, go to the store and find a, get, get an Abu Dharam. I mean, I assume they, they must uh, be printed from time to time. And keep it in shul. And, um, you know, pull it out every day for a paragraph. You know what I mean? For example, I just I just flipped this open, you know what I mean, at, at random. And uh, I flipped it at random. I'll read you the little passage over here to give you the style. That we say in the Shemana So it just happened to open that page. So what's shot when you say to God, See, he tells you, it's a positive. I'll shame because it says in Yeshayahu, right? He tells you where. Then what does it say? So he told you where you get those words from. Then the art scroll does it the same way by giving that little one, and at the bottom you see the, the Makor Isaiah. Because it says over there in Yeshayahu. So he's trying to say that. Um, you, there's a passage that says when the wicked rule, then there's anocha. So when you ask God to give us good judges, I don't want a wicked judge, so it'll save me from anocha. This is the plain meaning. When we tell Hagunim, so you ask why? Just what I said. So it's it's simple. You see. Or you could say, if we Jews will have honest judges between us, they'll settle everything right, then we won't have yoga anocha because my neighbor won't be cheating me and things like that. It goes on and on and on. It's a very nice and straightforward style. As I said before, he's got a whole Haggadah Shal Pesach in there. Um, he tells you how to calculate the calendar if you want to do your own, you want to do it on your own. Um, he's got um, all the anything that comes out of the Gemara. He's got many other sources besides the Gemara. He quotes from the Gonim all the time, and he has written Marm Rottenberg and uh, the Rashi and the Rashi's Rebbeim, believe it or not, and, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, you know, this famous, uh, the, the Rimigash. I mean, you know, it, it's a potpourri in the best sense of the word, which means, as I said before, even though he's writing on the subject of the sitter, he, I mean, clearly he was like a Bucky Bishas. You understand? It's just he chose to do this because he felt that everybody's writing Pirushim on Baba Kama and that sort of thing, and nobody's handling what the call needs, and the call needs a book like this. So it's just very, it's very, very good, and you know nobody can read a book like this through because you know it's I don't want to read something about Rosh Chodesh if it's not Rosh Chodesh, but if you keep it in Shul next to you. And you know when you have a little bit in here and a little bit here and a little bit there, so um, you know you, you pull it out and you find the part that says you know that deals with the part that you're doing. He's got piyutim in there, by the way. He explains this far behind the piyutim. I remember he's in favor of. He said it's okay to have the piyutim. You know what I mean? The chazaras shots. You can't have the piyutim in the chakras like some do. You know what I mean? Before the, the shema and all that. That's it. He's he's got sheets. He's got opinions. Uh, what should women do for Abdul? I mean, he goes through the whole nine yards. Now, listen, the guy lived before the rush. I mean, I'm sorry. The guy lived at the time of the tour, the Balatorium, and so he's a Rishon from long ago. A lot has been written since then. 
But you'll be surprised how much of this is still what we do today. Okay? It's it, it's it's quite remarkable. And uh you know if it was the it was the it was the Aseris uh, Mechuba, I mean he's the book to have. Uh you want to perish for Pita Makatores, uh you know, why do you call it Mechazin? <laughs> why do you call the Shlichzi Rechazin? Uh it's, he's, he's got a hundred, two hundred, three hundred uh, chapter headings, you know, in there. And they're very, very good. I always like the Abu Jerem. Although, to tell you the truth, I'm so busy with other stuff, it's my fault. By the way, here's a perfect idea for benching. I'm just flipping through the table of contents. For benching, uh, you could do a lot worse than use the Abu Jerem for, you know, for, for all, you know, no delcha, rachim, b'nei yushlayim, sevach, itzenu, b'chazatoba, metiv, the, that Pirish on Lo Yevish Balabayas, you know, that is popular now. And, uh, I mean, he takes the whole doggone thing. It's it's quite remarkable. Now, he was a Spanish. And so, he, in his time, he's always giving you the, the, the meaning of, of Sfarad and Sarfas. That's what he was uh, familiar with. Okay? So, it's not Eastern European, and that is true. And it's not the same thing as the Maharil. You know, that is true. But the Maharil doesn't do what he does either. Right? The Maharil... Is giving you the minhagim aspect. Our hero is giving the pushup shot aspect plus the minhagim. Okay, uh, he tells you how to take meister. By the way, you know all that stuff. And so the result is, you have a rishon um, who concentrates everything in one volume. Or I have it in two volumes, um, and it's and it's uh, just really good. So I'm making the claim today that the abudraham is. Uh, What's the right word? An underused and unknown treasure, uh, which it would be very, very useful if everybody has a copy and they just keep it in shoal and you refer to it for, you know, a different... I'll give you an example. Today, tomorrow, I'm going to do Ashray. So before I do Ashray, I'll see what he says in Ashray. I can't spend the whole time reading his whole book. Just what he says about the Ashray. Another day, I'll do what he says about Ozzy Ashray. You know what I mean? Another day, I'll, I'll see the part where he says about Mincha. Another day, I'll see what he says about Shacharis on Shabbos. You know, you take pieces, a keta, that sort of thing. And certainly when Purim comes, which is not too far around the corner, he's got stuff on the Purim. Um, he, he tells you how to make an Eruv. You know, it's 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 not a Shulchan Aruch, because that's not what it is. But it is a... Um, but he tells you, I mean, how to do Chala, you, you know, Kisei uh, Adam, Kviyas Mezuzah, all kind of things that I guess we kind of have in the sitter, we don't necessarily know it's in there. Now, I've told you before that um, I was once here in Baltimore, and I bumped into a, a room in Shomri Moon, and when a guy, Baal Shuba was making, I mean, a real Baal Shuba, he didn't know much, was new, and he, he made a sit, uh, a him with a friend of his on the Arts World sitter, which actually is kind of... Um, I'm not making fun. I'm doing the opposite of making fun. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know. It's moving. Let's put it that way. You know, for him, who he was, you know, the, 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 the art sitter is interesting. You know, that knows that I hear. But you could definitely make see him on something like the, like the Abudraham if you went through the whole year like that. Um, because, uh, you know, that's better than the art sitter. Now, the art sitter is more modern. And obviously has it those advantages as in English and all the rest of it. I get that. But if you're a little bit learned and you're able to follow sources, which I think most people are, and it's not written so hard, he deliberately wrote it 
in a kind of a Hebrew that the average individual with a little bit of education could understand. It's a, it's a very nice Hebrew, um, very very clear and simple Hebrew. Uh, then um, I think you could do a lot worse than say I'm going to make a seder, and over the course of a year or two, whatever, go through the whole abudrahim. You know what I mean? When Pesach comes around, you do the Pesach part. When uh, Rosh Hashanah comes around, you do the Rosh Hashanah part. And you know a lot. And you don't have to memorize it, but at least you know where to look it up. And it has a very nice uh, table of contents, by the way. And um, then you would know a classic of Judaism. Because there's no question, this is one of the classic works of Judaism. Uh, Liturgy works are not so cool in the yeshiva culture, because it's all about Gemara and Lumdus and things like that. And I get that. You know, I certainly understand it. Shalos and Shubh and so forth. And those certainly require a higher level of scholarship. But, you know, the bread and butter stuff, like the Abu Jirham, are, are always good. You know, they're always good. And he's always got, I'll tell you again, you know, uh, why don't you make a brachal and tzedakah? You know, all those famous questions that you've heard of yesteryear from time to time, you'd pick up a lot of info. That's all I'm saying. It's like an encyclopedia of a certain sort. You pick up a lot of info if you go to Abraham. So I haven't talked about a prayer today, but rather I've talked about a key to prayer. One of the basic books that every educated Jew should have with them in Shul, in my opinion, uh, to flip it to, to refer to from time to time, and that's the uh, the Sefer the Chibra Tfilos Pabrachos, as he puts as he calls. I think that was the name of it um, with the Abudraham. And uh, you could do you could do a lot worse um, if you're interested in getting the old one from 1517. Then you look in the Gnosim, uh, uh catalog. Otherwise, you just get a regular one, and um, and I think you'll be quite uh, educated as a result of that. Uh, so once again, I want to thank Mishpacha Stefanski. The name of that auction house is. Genazim, G-E-N-A-Z-Y-N. And with that, I wish you all good jobs. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.